Financial intelligence is not how much money you make, but how much money you keep, how hard that money works for you, and how many generations you pass that money on to. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Learn With Us. Today, we're going over Rich Dad's Guide to Becoming Rich. Without cutting up your credit cards. By Robert Kiyosaki. Hope everybody's having a good week. We are going over Chapter 2, What is the Price of a Mistake? We're also going to add in Chapter 3, What is the Price of Education? Chapter 2 starts off with, My banker has never asked me for my report card, Rich Dad. We start off with a story that I kind of hinted towards last week because I guess I cheated and went went ahead. For those of you who didn't join us last week, it was a story about how he failed at school and the price of what it actually cost him to fail was a lot more than just whatever, it's just a grade because now to make up for it, he had to give up his whole summer. As every high schooler thinks, when they get a bad grade, they he goes on to say, our lives are ruined. Yeah, Mike, his best friend says, what's the use? On top of that, we have to spend our summer our whole summer in a classroom. They were blaming everything on the teacher, and they were just whining. Rich Dad got sick of it. He said, I'm tired of you two boys whining and complaining. I'm tired of you thinking like victims and acting like losers. Enough is enough. You failed, so what? Just because you failed once doesn't make you a failure. Just look at how many times I've failed. Stop feeling sorry for yourselves and stop letting your classmates get to you. He also says, don't let a bunch of pimple-faced teens judge your life. <laughs> like... It just makes me think that people are always worried that, like, these poor people can come up to them and, like, pick on them. Oh, your business failed. Ha ha ha. But they've never tried. One difference between a successful person and an average person is how much criticism they can take. The average person cannot take much criticism, and that is why they remain average all their lives. That is why they fail to become leaders. Average people live lives trying to get along with all the other average people living in fear of criticism in fear of what someone else might think of them no one wants to be the sheep that's standing out in the herd is what he's getting at but if people are criticizing you at least they've noticed you be worried if no one is criticizing you you too have given them something to talk about if you can learn to handle criticism you can learn something valuable for your life i mean i i get that it even goes along with like Negative attention is still attention. They say there's no bad publicity, you know. Any information that everybody's talking about you or your company at the time is, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, it goes on to say, Rich Dad grew more serious. He says, it's the number one fear of most humans. It's called the fear of ostracism, the fear of being different, of standing outside the herd. That is why public speaking is the number one fear, the fear greater than death for many people. That many people are afraid of being criticized. I mean, we're terrified of public speaking. We won't even show our faces. That's very true. So I believe he's correct. So then the kids are still worried, and they're like, but what about our grades? That's when he says, I'm going to share with you a big secret. My banker has never asked me for my report card. And then the boys are like, what are you saying? You know, grades aren't important, yada, yada. I like how he says that, that grades, he 
instantly Robert responds with, what are you saying? Grades aren't important. And he's like, did I say that? No. What I'm saying is that people aren't going to ask you about your grades. So you're right. Your high school life isn't really that important. But the reason you get good grades is the reason you get good credit card bills, the reason you get or credit card statements and good balance sheets. It's all connect. Financial statements is the word he uses. Yeah, he says bankers will always ask you for your financial statement. Why do you think they ask everyone rich or poor, educated or uneducated for a financial statement before they will lend them any money? I grew up in a smaller town, but you think about everyone who's got a big company, they're not the people who were, I bet in school, were the smart ones. They don't look like it, at least, the way they act and stuff. It's the people that were willing to get a little dirty and do what it takes to stand out and become rich. So the bankers weren't ever like, oh, well, but in high school they had horrible grades. Yeah, so basically he says good grades count in school, but financial statements count in life. So he's happy he fails in the end, which is a great way to do any failures. He goes on to say is that you can't just be like, oh, I failed, and now I'm never going to do that again because you'd never learn to ride a bike. Yeah, I like how he explains the word fail. He says it's a verb, it's not a noun. And too many people think that when they fail, they become a noun and they call themselves failures. If people choose to learn from their mistakes, just as children learn to ride bicycles by falling off of bicycles, whole new worlds will open up. It makes me think of how many people have stopped from becoming very important or successful because of one little time they their bike went into the ditch and that was it. And just never rode a bike again. They became the failures. So you were just asking what is the price of a mistake? My answer to that would be the price of a mistake is getting stuck on it. That's where most people pay the price is they fail and then they don't ever move on. So they like, oh, I'm not good at that. I'm not going to become a writer. He failed in English, and yet he now has books that we're reading. He says that mistake at age 15 was priceless in the long run. The reason so few people achieve great wealth is simply because they fail to make enough mistakes. Mistakes can be priceless if we are willing to learn from them. It's like from yesterday. Not yesterday, but the last episode where we talked about how him and his buddy both go to the same seminar and he walks away with nothing. It's because he wasn't ever looking for information. So if you're already like, I failed and there's nothing to learn from this, you're never going to move on. That's about it for chapter two. Chapter three is what is the price of education? The opening quote is, you can only invest two things, time and money. So if you haven't figured out, that's probably the price of education (laughs) is your time. So he starts out by talking about how occasionally people ask him, um, are you saying that a person does not need to go to school? And he says, no, I'm not saying that. Education is more important today than ever before. But what I am saying is that education system is behind on the times. It's an old industrial age system that is trying to cope with an information age. And unfortunately, it's not doing a very good job at coping. The reason that the education system and that the world or life as you want to say hasn't caught up to each other is because there is a lag as he says a lag in time where the difference between the industrial revolution where they needed to spit out workers and the information world is completely different in that you don't need to spit out workers now because they want the most educated people in this life your skill is not important but school has yet to catch up to that he goes on to talk about in the information age the world wide web has left no one in charge moore's law is now in charge 
And Moore's Law states that information and technology are advancing quickly, doubling every 18 months. That means that each of us needs to double our information every 18 months or risk falling behind. That is why in the information age, what you learn is not as important as how fast you learn. Today, it is risky to receive advice from anyone with old information. In the information age, old can be as short as 18 months. You don't want to be taking advice from someone who is lagging or has old answers. Old answers may work on the million trivia game shows, but they will not work in the real world. That makes me think of when we were talking about, this was months ago, we were talking about where you're at a job, you need to leave after so many months because your boss doesn't care anymore because he can hire someone who's newer for a lot less and can make them do a lot more. Maybe it's not true in every situation, but at least in the industry we all worked, it was very clear that that's how it came to be. He goes on to talk about the, he has three, the three fundamental types of education that are required for minimal security in the information age. Number one is academic, which is reading, writing, and arithmetic. Number two is professional, which is the skills to work for money, such as learning to be a doctor, lawyer, plumber, electrician, teacher, etc. And number three is financial, the education that teaches you how to have money work hard for you. I mean, it doesn't really get any simpler than that. It's first thing you need to do is focus on how to learn to read and write so that you can get more information as possible. Then second, you need to have a skill in which you can sharpen. So you need to work on that skill, which it's if you're a doctor or even down to being a plumber, whichever one it is in between there. You focus on that. And three is financial because now you've figured out how to get the money. You figured out how to talk to people because you've been reading the books. But now what are you going to do? You're going to get the money and you're going to just blow it because you don't have the financial literacy. So now you get that and you'll be perfect. You can The rest will fall into place, as they say. This is just a little story that I found was interesting. He references an article from the Arizona Republic from May 7th, 2000. And it said L.A. schools to hold back thousands. The Los Angeles Unified School District were expected to hold back as many as one-third of the school system's 711,000 students. But the promotion guidelines were relaxed out of concern that mass failures could cripple the schools. So they ended up passing all these kids even though they couldn't, they didn't have basic reading, writing skills. Because of their own status says this is an example of an industry in lag. The students have changed, but the school system continues with its traditional way of attempting to educate. Imagine if that was your company and you're like, oh, well, we just failed. We have like (laughs) almost half of our things are failing, but we're just going to slap a you did good enough sticker on there and send them out. You'd be fired. You'd be shut down. But these are our schools. Like, that's so amazing to me. I I don't know how that's not talked about more talks about how he's often wondered why we don't teach about money in school and why the system focuses so much on grades and report cards when in the real world my banker has never asked me to submit my report card and that comes up all the time what do you think that is real quick do you have like a theory why they don't want us to be educated financially i think that some people have to be poor and some people have to be rich that's the way i always heard it is that someone has to make the roads is the worst. I mean, it sounds rude, but that's like how they put it is that 
there's always got to be the workers and there's always got to be the top. Yeah, I'm not sure, really. I also want to point out, he also says, I realize that the people in the school system are teaching what they know and they're doing the best they can. Like, we're not trying to bash anyone. Oh, yeah, us either. No, we we understand that no one's, like, doing this. There's no dictator out there. Like, I've tricked them all. For most people, highly educated or not, it is not what they know that is costing them money. It is what they do not know that is costing them money. Oh, man, you should almost say that again. That's deep, because if you think about it, it's people who are poor and then you try to help them as we've come to find out or not even help them but talk to them about it is that they already know how to become rich and they could do it tomorrow they just aren't doing it right now they're waiting is the best way to put it yeah it is the lack of this basic financial knowledge that undermines a person's basic financial intelligence and it is the lack of financial intelligence that causes many people to work hard professionally, earn a lot of money, but fail to get ahead financially. They may have job security, but many never find financial security. Financial intelligence is not how much money you make, but how much money you keep, how hard that money works for you, and how many generations you pass that money on to. And then he gets even deeper, and he breaks it down to that. You don't want to have income money either. That is the worst type of money. Because you're taking all your money and you're giving it to the government. Because that's where the trap is for taxes. So you want to start earning from passive. Yeah, and the next part is really start simple. It's basic financial education. It says, what do you need to know financially? Like, it's not as hard as you think. You don't even, like, you can just call up your banker. He says, find out from your banker what is most important to him. And you will know what is important financially. He said the best way to do it is to go into there and be like, hey, can I have $1,000? And they're like, sure. Can I have $2,000? Sure. And then you get to 10 and they're like, well, no, you can't have 10. And then you go, well, why? He'd be like, so whatever reasons he gives you, you fix that. And then you go, okay, can I have 20? Well, no, because of this. So you fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, that's all you really need to do is just keep giving your banker what he wants with financially and you'll be on your way to having the perfect financial statement if you've ever read a robert kiyosaki book by now you've probably heard of this the cash flow game we've played it ourselves actually and it it does teach you a lot about how to do a financial sheet without having to worry about because if you think about in your life you probably have 70 things you buy a week so you freak out and you're like i can't do this so the best way is to play this game where you only have like five seven bills coming in at you at once so you can handle it and figure it out and use that to teach yourself in real life how to handle it with 50 because once you figure out how to do it with seven you can do it with 700 i like this next part he goes over what is a loser he says um unfortunately most people are financial losers losers isn't that a very harsh thing to say about people i said financial losers i don't mean to insult anyone let me give you a definition my definition of a loser is someone who cannot afford to lose. When it comes to money, most adults cannot afford to lose. Many people today live on what I call the red line. As you know from your interest in cars, the car's red line is that point where the engine's RPMs are so high that if you step on the gas any harder, the engine comes apart. He's saying that you can... Everybody who, no matter how rich they are, they're all pushing it right to the max. So even if someone, your neighbor's making four times as much money as you, 
he's really not making any more money because he's still in the same spot you are. You're both pinned right to the floor with nothing, no room to play with. So you don't, you don't try to do anything with your money that you're afford to lose it, like stocks or a company. Or... He says, so every dollar that is coming in as an income is going out as an expense. If they're making four times as much money as you, but they also have four times as much expensive expensive expenses than you do. Then you're both in the same exact boat. They always say investment is risky, but as he says, it's more risky not to invest. And that is why people who have good grades in the school do not necessarily do well in the real world. Real life is not made up of the right answers. Real life is made up of multiple guesses, some of which turn out to be right and many of which wind up being wrong. And that is why so many of the richest people in the world were often people who made the most mistakes. I don't know if we skipped this or not, but he goes over why bankers aren't rich. Because if you think about it, bankers should be the richest people. They know money and they give money to people who understand it. But they're in the same boat as you is that they don't want to risk their money. They're, they have no idea how to gamble. And that's why gamblers can't be rich either is because they gamble too much of it. You have to be both a gambler and a banker. He says, one of the reasons so many people can play, play the lottery is because most people can afford to lose $1. The reason that so many people play the dollar slot machines in the casinos is because they can afford to lose a few dollars. The problem is that for at least 60% of the American population, they cannot afford to lose much more than a few dollars. That's because they have already financially lost the game of life. Many people will not find out how badly they have lost until they lose their job or have to stop working due to age or a medical disability. These people live at their red line of life, deeply buried in bad debt. These red line people also believe that getting rich is a function of luck. At one of my talks, a person asked me this question. How large of a role does luck play in your finances? My reply, luck is an acronym for laboring under correct knowledge. I like that. That's like lady luck favors a man of action. It's the same idea as that. There is no luck. You have to be a man of action, so labor under correct knowledge so you're doing the correct job oh i really like that well that was all my notes what about you yeah no that's end of chapter three i didn't everything else is i mean get the book yourself read the whole thing it's awesome but yeah we can't even stop you already read the whole book cheater i had the audio version so i just listened to it it was only it took like four hours it was easy it was awesome I did also get a copy from the library, though. Came all the way from Boston, took a week and a half. No, we prefer the physical copies, but everyone's different. Next week is Chapter 4, What is the Price of Cutting Up Your Credit Cards? Which I think we've already pretty much talked about what it is, but I'm excited to see what he has to say in more detail. It's 20 pages long, so I'm sure we can find something to talk about for a minute. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not worried about us. I'm just saying that... We've gone over from the beginning of last week. We were saying, what is the price of cutting up your credit cards? It's that you're never going to get to learn how to use a credit card. And that's very expensive. You can't double your money. All right. I hope to see everybody there. Bye. Bye. Have a good week. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining. Please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303 and at gmail.com. 
Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.